Beat the RC Racing Podcast with your host, myself, Russell Lee, and as always, the fantastic Chris Bowie. How you doing, Chris? I'm all right, mate. Still worn out from all the uh, the uh, antics the weekend at the Juniors and Vets, but, you know, getting no, there now. No one cares about you, mate. Let me tell the sponsor. No, they don't, So mate. a massive thank you to CMO Distribution, Schumacher Racing and Willspeed, the companies that keep us in there every week and throw us a couple of prizes at Christmas. So this week, um, I don't know how this man's had time for this with, you know, the Juniors and Vets last weekend and an eighth national this weekend. Mark Rumble from Nemo Racing. How you doing, Mark? Hi guys, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, really good. Thanks for speaking to us tonight. No worries. Yeah. Pleasure. Just, just, just in case our listeners want to know how, wondered how committed this man is, he's actually speaking to us at half past nine at night from the track in his car what is because he's been working on the track, getting it ready for the eighth national this weekend. You can't, yeah. get, you can't get more yeah. committed than that, Mark. Were you on your own, or was it twenty-four seven RC? That's I did literally just uh, pulled, the, pulled the car around the corner sat in here and uh, I'm pitched up and that's that my hand my hand dropped the uh, the shovel from one hand and picked up the uh, picked up the phone with the other <laughs> brilliant yeah. do you want to go through the juniors and vets at the weekend Chris and give it a bit of an introduction as well yeah mate because it was um, obviously it was would you say that was Nemo's first big 10th meeting I think you've had much bigger yeah. than that have you yeah yeah, no, yeah. we've never we've never tipped over 100 entries for a for a tenth scale meeting. We were pretty close with one of the regionals that we just hosted earlier in the year, um, but no, we were never over 100. So it's definitely our our biggest and most prestigious tenth scale race so far. Yeah, because um, I thought it went quite well, very smooth, very. Yeah, uh... yeah I was I was uh, going into the weekend. I was sort of you know some of the races we've obviously done and they're sort of our bread and butter of races with eight scale we know how it goes we know the rules the format the protocol etc etc but when you're then doing a a race that's in a completely different class that's obviously still uh, you know a brca affiliated event so you know it's going to be top tier um you definitely sort of there are some things you're not sure about going into the weekend. What's the format? What's this? Even just the silly little things that you sort of you don't really think about or know um, off the bat. Um, so they they were the bits that I wasn't wasn't too sure about going into the weekend. Also on timings, you know, knowing that we had, I believe, the first full two wheel drive event that you've had for the junior vets. I don't know if that's correct. That's what I heard a few times over the weekend. I think yeah, I think nineteen. Yeah, it's it's been the first. I think they've had full ones in the past, but it's been the first full one for, for quite some time. I don't think we've had any. As long as I can remember, we haven't had any full juniors and vets. Um, yes. So you've got to be yeah. talking back in the day. Um, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Uh, before before, before the our war. time, even. During the war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah during the war. But no, yeah, I, I, mean, thought, I thought it went really well. Um, I, I mean, what we knew we just going into the weekend with the number of entries, we knew we had to be absolutely on it with the uh, with the timings of everything. Obviously, Muzz was um, Muzz was absolutely on it, um, so that was that was good. Um, I, I haven't hadn't yet run a race with um, with Muzz, so it was nice to experience his uh, race director ring, uh, if that's even a word. Um, yeah, no, he was he was absolutely on it. So I quite quickly had confidence moving, you know, going into after the first hour. Um, yeah. yeah, I knew that we were going to be all right. It was going to be a good weekend. Yeah, I think it's when um, Eugene turns up with the two OGOs worth of tech kit and <laughs> cables yeah. and everything like that. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I, I rocked up quite early on the Friday just because of the way my work pattern was. Um, yeah. And I mean, some just sort of, you know, peering around every now and again, looking what was going on. I mean, there was some real dedication to make it work for 10th. I think the ski jump just at the end of the straight, I think I saw somebody yeah. with like a still saw grinding bits yes. out of it to lower it so yeah. it was more suitable yeah. for the cars. Yeah, that was our uh, our track hero, Michael Shorey, um from the Eighth World. He uh, he's been absolutely invaluable through through the whole time with the track. Really, he's our sort of like, what would Mike do in this situation? Let's have a little think. He's the he's the man with the skills. He's on the dig. He is literally trackside now uh, with a with a little six ton or a three three and a half ton digger, um, just doing some some drainage work. Um, some further drainage work on the track, so yeah, yeah, we uh, we definitely were full steam on on uh, on Friday before the race. Yeah, getting just like last few bits. I mean, the list is endless. The list doesn't. Uh, the list never stops. It just appears to keep growing on sort of jobs to do, things to tinker around with, and get sorted. Um, but we've done a lot of the a lot of the the leg work, I guess, before. Um, well, a lot of it in the run-up to the race, knowing that we also then obviously have our, our eight-scale Nitro National this coming weekend as well. So the prep really was for both of the events. Um, but, yeah, Friday was flat out. On top of then a flat-out week, so it's, uh, yeah, no rest for the wicked. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've heard uh, the recent talk of 10th cars on 8th tracks and how people are. Yes, yes. No, oh, yeah. You know, was, it was a big topic of conversation, actually, between John and myself, because obviously we are predominantly an 8th scale track, but also, for, you know, we've obviously gone through a lot of changes over, over recent times um, in terms of surface changes and all the things I'm sure we'll discuss later on. Um as well as obviously new sections being put into the track that are predominantly eight scale orientated. Um, yeah. So I was very conscious of obviously the Euro, the Euro, uh, Euro 10 scale experience. And then, uh, you know, some, some um, sort of uh, outreach from that, I guess, or some, some words in feedback from that event. And obviously previous other Euros that have happened about them being done on eight scale tracks that are not made for 10 scale cars. And unsurprisingly it being, difficult because it's the wrong type of track for the car like running a running a touring car around an off-road track probably doesn't work so um so yeah i was pretty keen and john and i were, were corresponding quite a bit in the run-up to the race deciding what layout to run getting fifty thousand different opinions of we should run this or we should run that or that will be too much no we should run that blah 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 and the sort of conclusion from our end um, was or at least the conclusion from my end and and John John the same was that nobody complains if a track is too simple you know a track at least yeah. you know can't be massively like grossly simple especially when it has got like ours it's four meters wide it's got a really long eight scale length straight you know a forty five meter straight quite long lap times like already that's more complex than I think quite a few intense scale drivers are used to so the fact that we obviously didn't include some of the real crazy big features um will have just just been better safe than sorry um so yeah we spent a lot of friday uh talking and and uh deciding what to do and yeah we obviously went with the same layout over the weekend yeah it was just nice to see the uh 
the dedication to a 10th scale event, considering, like you yeah. say, you're predominantly yeah. an eighth track, that you've got yeah. a you know, big angle saw out, cutting out half your jumps <laughs> to make them suit. Yeah. No doubt at some point they've got to be put back up to be, <laughs> you know, suitable yeah. for an eighth track. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, sort of some of the stuff you just sort of, you know, you i would like to use the word like innovate or you improve on the jumps as as um as time goes on and you know you just definitely get them get them sorted so that first jump originally started as being sort of like a two-line jump quite a few as lots of the eight scale guys will have will have driven on it had sort of like a 1.5 meter width that was significantly more raised than the the next two and a half meter width because the jump was four meters wide so it had like a one and a half meter wide kicker that really sent the cars up um and that was done about a year ago um and the division where it is at 1.5 you know the 1.5 meters to two and a half meter the gap between the two heights of jump that had taken some beatings so um it actually sort of broken and then about two weeks before the race i guess would have stopped or done a bit of a temporary fix that just wasn't right it wasn't how we would want it to be so then we had access to mr shorey on the friday afternoon so we uh yeah we got some uh we got the steel saw out and uh got chopping things up yeah i thought it was quite funny just to see a, a steel saw yeah. and sparks, sparks going flying. everywhere across the track yeah <laughs> yeah um, i mean you mentioned um you mentioned talking to john um Obviously, John's got massive experience in the eighth world. So, you know, some of it translates over, doesn't it? And like you say, nobody ever complains about a a simple track. Yeah, exactly. I kind of of wanted – I wish I'd have had a chance, but I was just so busy. Like when I was like, I really wanted to have a go at those rhythm sections over the back. I know they're not for a 10th car, but I really wanted to have a go. Did you ever consider putting those in or – yeah, it was it was definitely it was on the cards actually sort of like early on in the week, just when we when we had only the sort of in the two weeks prior to the race been been finishing that off and and getting it all done for the e buggy and truggy race, um, and then and then obviously the subsequent national warm up event. Um, so we like wanted to be able to run the full, pretty much the you know ninety percent of the full track. So we'd we'd been absolutely smashing it out, getting the decking laid to get the the rhythm section done. Obviously, conventionally that um, that jump or that back section was all was always dirt. Um, but um, it's you know just the UK weather. It was absolutely just getting torn up, like like all dirt tracks do. You know that's the thing. They just absolutely have to stay on top of them. Um, and this weather that we're experiencing like this whole year seemingly has been so so abysmal that it's just absolutely unsustainable to have seemingly any dirt sections um, and get away with it and where we obviously where we're open seven days a week loads of people using the track it definitely takes a beating you know it, every week it has a race meet you know not far off a race meeting every other weekend but then it probably has a race meetings worth of cars especially new guys tumbling and jumping and smashing around the track so it definitely has a it takes its uh takes its fair share of a beating during the week as well so we then move to having like sustainable fixed weatherproof um jump section at the back with decking i think me and john should probably start a uh start a decking company with the knowledge we've gained from it the decking wouldn't be any good but at least we'd know how to get it laid down quick yeah um, yeah 
diversify. Unload um, the van as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Top label. Yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, you mentioned sustainability and some changes that the track's gone through. Obviously, everybody knew Nemo was originally a dirt track, and the only time I've ever raced there was a random eighth meeting when I stupidly decided to go for an e-buggy and then decided it wasn't for me. We were just coming out of lockdown, weren't we? And the only thing we could do was eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Couldn't quite restart it as quick as the eight scale stuff. So a lot of people transitioned across seemingly. But yeah, no, I I do remember. And obviously, so some background to Nemo Raceway um, is that obviously before it was Nemo Raceway, um, it was junction 16 so it's just um uh, junction 16 forgive me junction 12 i'll get my get my junctions all mixed up i can drive anywhere um so it was originally junction 12 um or j12 rc i mean they they were massive Um, back in the day chris they held nationals and all sorts proper dirt loamy rough loose dirt nationals yeah horrible um horrible dirt track with no you know with no oil on the surface or really rough all, just just the dirt yeah just dirt and that's it <laughs> yeah in 2007 which yeah. was sort of when the uh, the time when it was really active so the track i believe began sort of in the years before 2007 um i don't actually know the original date when it was built um and then it sort of just went off the off the grid or off grid in about 2009 2008 2009 um and then obviously we picked it up in in 2020 um and then it sort of carried on as a dirt track but then we used um you know a lot more surface prep rebuilt the track um etc etc but it absolutely would just really kick our butt the weather and the and the and the surface you know it's a real challenging thing to do to try and bring enough quantity of dirt in to to have dirt on top of the other surface you know lots of tracks bring clay in to have another track so that just isn't wasn't available to us or you know it would have still had some dramas with that um but the clay material that's around here is called the blue is i understand it to be to be the blue lias clay um which makes sense because a pub next to my uh next to my house only about 10 10 minutes away from the track is called the blue lias inn so it makes sense um but the clay the blue lias clay is notorious for being really really hard to work um it is really sloppy and and terrible when it's wet and then in like a light switch it it just goes transitions from being sloppy wet to bone dry cracked all over the place enough to lose your ankle down so um so it kicked our butt for two years and then we obviously made the decision to go to a multi-surface track um and uh yes yeah, so then we went we went multi surface. What is the um, the Astro style surface? The there now it's black, but it's not Astro, is it at all? So what's, yeah, so what's so that? basically what, how would um, you describe so what, that? So we sort of describe it as like a synthetic material. Yeah. It's not a astro turf and it's not a carpet. Um but basically it's just like a it's 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 similar to an astro turf in terms of it is there's a base layer and then there is is woven woven plastic fibers um but unlike astroturf which is just like grass in terms of just a single um you know a single strand um that just comes out of the surface yeah it's double woven so it comes out and then it gets woven weaved back 
into the same hole. So essentially, it's like the of Velcro or hook and loop tape. It is yeah. the loop. It is the loop of that. Um, so that's why it's got that like really characteristic high traction. Yeah. Um, but it, it's been an amazing material to work with. The the rolls that we get it in are twenty five meters long by four meters wide, Perfect. and they can be <laughs> they can be carried. But yeah, exactly. Perfect for an eight scale track. Yeah, perfect. Obviously, the yeah, track, yeah, track, yeah. Uh, track minimum is, is four meters. Um, it, it can be carried by two people. So, if anybody was ever looking to to use that carpet for an indoor venue, it'd be absolutely spot on. It would, you know, it's yeah. movable. It's, you know, it's stackable. It's obviously got no. Um, it's obviously not got any sand. It's a clean, a clean, fresh product. Um, the only issue is just the price. It's just very expensive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that bit isn't so good, but what? it's definitely better than spending it on vegetable oil to yeah. kiss goodbye to every time it happens. So what would they? What would that normally be used for in, 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 in its, in its so real I, purpose? I'm not really sure. I don't know whether it was a, like an exhibition it? carpet or okay. something. So it actually came from... Um, I'm trying to quite think about the origin of it, but basically we'd had a, a contact uh, to do with Six Mick um, with this carpet. I think there was another place that had used it ah, got um, yeah. in France. Um, and I think then we received the contact, and I believe that it's manufactured in Belgium. Um, and then I know that we dealt with a, dealt with a UK company that that organised it all for us. Um, shipped it, shipped all the rolls over, whatever whatever the number of rolls it was, nine or seven rolls of twenty twenty five meter by. It's more than that, actually, thirteen rolls, fourteen rolls, a lot of rolls, a lot of carpet. And um, yeah, yeah. So then they uh, shipped it over, and then we got flattened the flattened the dirt track or what what was left of the dirt track after just being battered by the wind you know battered yeah. by british weather and terrible surface to play with um and it's been absolutely transformational for us really uh, from a sustainability point of view you know everybody loves everybody loves driving on a dirt track like don't get or at least all the eight skill guys love driving on a dirt on a proper prepped oiled i don't know or a old school dirt track whatever it may be yeah. everybody loves that as a driver fine the bit the drivers definitely don't like is <laughs> yeah, you driving get, around get into sloppy rain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that bit the drivers definitely don't like. From a track running and you know, maintenance point of view, it's just absolutely unsustainable in this climate. You know, in the UK absolutely. it's disastrous. It's just a really tough job that, you know, is just back breaking, thankless work people come and they'll you know the track won't be absolutely perfect as they expect and they'll moan and this and this and this and you sort of think blimey you know what i could save a lot of energy and time and money and, and emotional stability and just not do it yeah. so, exactly and just make it sustainable mean that we can actually get on the track more than three months out of the year i mean this summer you know this well i say summer like that's even a thing anymore this year the time period where it's meant to be summer it just has not existed here it is not that this no. climate we're getting, this year has been some of the worst we're getting paid back this year for the for the great summers we've had for the last like it's, since 2019 summers have been epic. yeah yeah so we've got to have a bad one yeah, every now and then, you know yeah yeah they definitely they definitely get in their payback 
Yeah. So we, we yeah. chose it at the right time, I guess. Well, because, I think it, um, it's really good how you've put the um, how you, how you've done the the. I'll keep calling it after. I'm really sorry. The the, the, the yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Well, Where you, you put that down, but you'd left the outsides out, like like for the eighth eighth size track, you know, with the dirt because you left the yeah. dirt hairpin in and then the dirt section over the back. Um, but you, yeah. you know, you just shut it off when if the weather was bad, wasn't it? And just just run on the yeah, the, the yeah, track. exactly. And and the problem is, it's just it's the manpower, it's the finances of just absolutely like switching the track to sustainable overnight is n- is just impossible yeah that's not a task that's possible to do so for us it's like an evolution of seeing what it needs seeing what would work there trying to organize like reclamation of of materials like our block um our block paved berm yeah um, that the the, the two-wheel drive um tent scale guys drove at the weekend on the saturday you know that is like six seven eight thousand block pavers um you know that i think we've probably you know if you were going to buy them new from being q or something it'd have been five thousand pounds so, yeah you know, even, even, so you just have 50 pence a brick <laughs> that's, that's yeah not exactly cheap. <laughs> exactly you know yeah um, let alone then the transport costs. So we've managed to, you know, get it for all all of that from bits here and there, local, you know, even just local people that are pulling driveways up, people that are even not so local. We've we've managed to reclaim that all for a fraction of the price, yeah. whilst also, I guess, relieving some of our uh, our neighbouring people um, of probably some blocks that were just going to go into landfill. So it's nice to be able to do a yeah. couple of bits of, you know, a couple of of those things um, the bricks down did you guys do that or did you get someone in yeah 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 we did it all we've definitely there's a there's a little no um, like an internal little joke thing that sort of runs along with us called rumble attempts <laughs> and it's basically me trying anything i'll always give anything a go you know it might not yeah. be good well no, no no it's not a case of might not be good it won't be good but I can at least say that I've given it a go and yeah. tried it, whether it's welding or using that steel saw and still having two arms when I've finished with it. So, so you block, doing block paving. And, so you block paved that long hairpin and then you also fitted yeah. the decking across the back section as well, which is like um, exactly. a corner tabletop into a, into a massive double into a, another corner tabletop. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So for, um, so that was, trying to work it remember i mean it, what i do know is that was so five thousand screws because i went and i bought bought them all from our local screw fix uh depot um five thousand screws plus that was just for like our most recent re- yeah. recent decking that we've done um the planks there must have been actually probably 600 600 100 100 mil wide by 4.2 meter long um deck boards yeah or planed planed boards um, i mean they're so not cheap they're just the boards no. they're not cheap are they they're like four, what, yeah, five, six with a the length yeah but more than that more than that so yeah it's 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 actually been a bit it's been a, a big investment to do that um everything the the this is also this is the tricky thing sometimes with hosting races and running a track and doing all of those things is that an event or a an event, a track, or whatever you whatever you want to call it, because if you run a track, you're going to have events. Event costings have just gone absolutely through the roof. An event that cost you a thousand pounds to do in 2018, for example, hiring your toilets, hiring your Jenny, putting your fuel in your Jenny, doing this, blah 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 blah, repairs on the track, getting materials, wood, blah blah blah. 
now it will cost you at least two thousand pounds what cost you a thousand pounds then will cost you two grand now it's yeah. just absolutely it's gone absolutely silly um so that makes it also tricky to um you know to justify it all um i think if if race if race entries for a day race for 40 pounds uh, would have a lot would have a a country of of much nicer RC tracks um, yeah. because it would probably be sustainable and there'd be some some cream to make them make them nice like a lot of the other other tracks around the world are really. Yeah. Um, um, we you're... just uh, a great experience I had at the Euro Bs, uh, eight scale Euro Bs, uh, a, a track in Longvic in France that's just outside Dijon, and the track was absolutely amazing presented beautifully really amazing facilities great cafe like integrated cafe great food amazing toilet facilities the track was absolutely spot on undercover pits blah blah blah. but they get support from their local council you know they get council grants like local municipal support we saw that we see that in lots of other european countries um but we definitely don't see it over here whether that's we don't seek it out enough and we should do and we should educate ourselves better on the the you know the the help that is out there maybe i'm blind to it um but it doesn't appear to exist like it can elsewhere in the world i mean i know in 10th there's um there is a track that i can't remember it was like sport england or or sport lottery or something like that and they got yeah. quite a sizable grant and they've done a really good job of um okay of doing a 10th track. But like you say, we've just done Telford. I know um, we took advantage of something that the BRCA are doing, which is yeah, where they'll, the, loan, they'll loan you some money. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Which I'm, yeah, and I know that's been really popular, and the BRCA are trying to push more more clubs yeah. to look if that's yeah. sustainable for them, just to help like improve, it. you know. I mean, just round by us in our area, Mark, we've lost, what, Kiddy and Coventry recently? So, yeah yeah it's just it's, you know. it's tough you know it's tough it's tough times it's uh you know there's obviously a contraction in in uh, the levels of club racing um at least in eight scale nationals there hasn't been a particularly large drop off there's been a bit of a drop off don't get me wrong in terms of national events um but the the issue is is, is sort of like regional cl- and club racing there's a big there's a quite a, a chunky decline you know the probably the most popular um, one eighth track in the UK of of Hearts, um, or, you know Westmill Farm track, has got previous in years gone by had had a massive massive following, and it still does. You know, don't get me wrong, they still have an amazing following. But a winter club meeting of theirs would have been a hundred plus entries for as long as I can remember. But this last year, it's been at half that. You know, and the thing is, it's just that has to have an effect. I think people have buttoned up the hatches, haven't they? Of, yeah. You know, they still have basically the hierarchy of, of uh, financial distribution in a household is mortgage paid or rent paid, food, clothes on, clothes on your back, bills paid, and then you do toy cars. Then yeah. you do your hobbies, then you do your golf, your fishing, your RC cars, whatever it may be. You know, don't get me wrong. I under, I hope to have a decent understanding of the sort of economic position that RC sits in the in the world and in, yeah. not, in the UK at least. 
people that uh, race RC cars a lot are not, uh, you know, they've got decent amounts of disposable income seemingly. So it doesn't instantly affect that when there's an economic downturn. However, I think because the economic downturn has been so, so aggressive or so strong, um, it's definitely then having a big effect because, like I say, people want to put their food on their table, clothes on their back, their children looked after, rent paid, blah, blah, blah. Toy cars are definitely at the bottom list of priorities, let alone club racing. So people are like, right, I'm going to spend my money and do my national races. But the club meets, I'm going to, even if I do it once a month now rather than twice a month, you know, that's then a fifth, that's a 50% reduction. Yeah. Um, and that definitely shows, you know, but we keep on trying. How do you, do you find that um, you get a lot of people come to practice? Because, you know, your track's open you know, seven days yeah. a week. Do you find you, yeah, you have exactly. a lot of mid, so, people sneak in midweek or I don't know, you have like a builder's van yeah. turn up and a guy throws his kit out the back after he's finished yeah. work? Uh, or yeah, or yeah. you're you so, superstars? Yeah, no. So it, so actually, um, that's then the other thing about the track. Um, and, you know, again, sort of banging on about it, this sort of sustainability yeah. uh, part of it for us is like, we go to, you know, we obviously operate at the track um, seven days a week. You know, we our track open hours are 10 till four, seven days a week. And we have a, a track membership that's available. Um, and actually, we just introduced like a half half year one for the for the end of the year. Um, and for a full membership, it's 70 pounds. Someone can then come along any day, any day of the week and practice as much as they want between the hours of 10 till 4. Um, so what we have found is it's not just sort of club racing for us. I mean, one thing's, one thing's for sure, it's tough. You know, we put a club race on. We, yeah. You know, we had a national warm-up race that had 45 entries. I've done, and and it's, this is not just exclusive to us for struggling with these sort of races, but worldwide, you know, uh, countrywide or, or at least um, national championship-wide, you know, the warm-up races are just not massively heavily attended um, where they would have been full meetings, like all 126 people that are booked in for the national would probably want to go to the warm-up. We're at less than half of that. So for us, it's been important for us to build our club membership base um, and we get all types, all all types of racers and, and not racers. We even get the bashers. And so us then having the track sort of easy, consistent, can be used in 99% of the weather conditions um, has been so good for us building this community of RC races. I mean, it's, it's, it's really good. We, we've tried to um, try to do something for like further collaboration. You know, obviously we've had a lot of struggles with, with, um, you know, some local, local members of the community. Um, so as we already do, but we're sort of doubling down on it. It's trying to work with the local communities. We're going to try and put some school events on. Um, we've actually had a lot of local people. And, and just like a good example is a chap that lives in the neighbouring village, um, Bishop Sitchington. Um, yes, I know, I know. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, of all the village names, it's one to uh, put in the book. And um, But that's one of our neighbouring villages. And this, uh, a chap called Lewis, he had never raced before, but it had RC cars growing up. And in the space of a year and a half of him, like just being like, Oh, I heard at work, there's this RC track not far from me. So going from never racing RC car 
to doing all of the nationals, ready to do Montpellier in February of next year, looking to do Padova in November. It's like those sort of stories sort of make it worthwhile where you think, wow, blimey, we are actually, you know, we are adding in um, rather than just sort of bumbling along, trying to um, trying to survive, really. Um, So it's nice to hear some of those things and nice to actually try to bring fresh blood into the hobby. Um, rather than it just contracting, trying to aid its growth. Yeah, you know what yeah, you, I think you, know, you say, they're bringing the schools in. Because yeah. people just see it as grown men playing with toy cars, don't they, really? When yeah, you look at it from yeah. the outside. But what they yeah. don't realise is that there's there's electronics, there's um, mechanic engineering. skills, there's engineering oh. skills, design skills. You know, there's so... so yeah, like you see, how many kids do you know that have grown up in the RC world that at the ages of 11, 12, 13 can talk to an adult on an adult level? And exactly. it's because they've grown up in that environment. And exactly. I just wish, like you say, you've got some issues with the neighbours and whatever, but you almost you wish, you're like, look, get the kids involved in this. This, is, this could benefit your community. You could have people that... You know, exactly. Like we've had that. Mark Styles on a, in the past, lead yeah. brake engineer for Mercedes. Yeah. You know, it's, Richard it's really um, If there was only a way to really, I mean, I'm sure there is, you know, and I think it's what a lot of people are working towards. I've seen like the RC Vision stuff they're doing is really good, RC Racing TV. Um, all of those people are obviously on a hard offensive trying to trying to get that message across to the greater, wider audience. But if there was a way of magically just conveying RC racing in its entirety, it, like you say, in the, engine, the, the engineering side of things, the electronics, the mechanical understanding, the locations that RC can take you to around the world if you're, if you're in deep with it, plus the social, the social interaction that just exists at RC races where – you've got RC races that are as little as four years old or as young as four years old, and then up to whatever age, you know, 75 plus those people that are all doing a common interest, they can then start speaking about it. And they're communicating with people that I actually don't know what other, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint another hobby where they would be interacting in such a broad spectrum of people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, ages, Anywhere, anything, anything that divides and che- and you know make people different is not visible in the in the RC industry. Um, and if there was a way to get that across on a wider level, it'd be amazing. You know, I get it. RC racing, I understand its challenges. You know, I I, I try to understand why it isn't as big as I think it could be, because you if you you know about bringing like fresh people into the hobby i think that's a hard thing to do in the right manner i think it's an expensive hobby to do the problem you sometimes have is someone comes along they spend two three hundred pounds on an rc car with you know they haven't been nurtured to making the right decision necessarily but they've spent 300 pounds which is not an insignificant amount of money on what is just the wrong thing that's now worth a hundred pounds because no one wants to buy it because why would they because it's the wrong thing as as you know everybody says oh that's the wrong thing to buy so they've spent 300 pounds they then need to spend another probably five six hundred pounds buying the correct thing that then they need to drive their child to 
to go to the races to do this to do that they then need to work on the car make it make it better get it all sorted you know they need to do those things or they can just spend five six hundred pounds or five hundred pounds on a playstation give it to their kid hours and hours and hours of undivided attention and that that i think is is a like a uh, is a challenge you know that's a challenge to try to overcome that and and trying to sort of put it across about how being in the great out you know being outdoors and yeah, doing yeah. those things is much better you know we talk about like you know getting people into it and stuff like that but do you i'm I'm not all the juniors I know around our area, uh, or the or the yeah. junior racing. It's like there's no fresh, no fresh blood there. They're all like kids of people who've raced or are who are racing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. We need to attack those those thirty year old men with loads of disposable income. Exactly. <laughs> that's that, the that's, so a, that, that's so who that we're aiming at. You know. Yeah, it's not it's not actually just the juniors. You know, you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we've just hosted a BRCA juniors and veterans event, yeah. and that was fantastic. Really, really nice event to host. Great people, really enjoyable. Like a fun thing when you know you're you're really accessing and and giving these young young girls and guys a cool place to race to have a great fun weekend. But like you say, we need to access these the parents of yeah. the, the that have these aged children you know you can't access the children directly um, unless in the schools they might there but still it's a parent oriented origin into into doing the the, the, the hobby yeah. Yeah. um so it's a tricky one you know it's a, it's a tough battle um but it's one you know rc racing's been around for years and years and years and, and is carrying on so obviously it does happen organically um there is no i don't think there's a magic fix for it um you know there's no magic wand that someone can wave around that suddenly creates the target you know triples the target audience or the the or the 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 industry um but it's good that people are trying you know as we all are to try and grow it and keep things going yeah i mean speaking of um change from somebody who i suppose has a vested interest from from our point of view of making our tenth nationals better, obviously yeah. very experienced at Nemo running eighth, just had a big yeah. tenth meeting. Where did you do you see any ways in which do you think like maybe you could take some of the tenth style into eighth or eighth style into tenth? You've seen them both now at on the highest levels. Where yeah, where do you think they they differ and where could they improve? Yeah, so. So I think in general, I think we're really lucky with both the 10th scale section nationals and the 8th scale section nationals for, for Rallycross that that we have got really good organisational uh, events, really well organised, well thought out, um, sort of like tried and tried, tested and proven good events. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I think what tents what would be fantastic even if it's you know logistically challenging which i know it is you know i've done enough of these races to know that you can't make time and just uh, appear out of nowhere but if tent scale managed to introduce some of the side of eight scale of bump ups i think that would be a great thing that's always something i think that that has sort of potentially been missing from tent scale i know it's logistically challenging you'd have to have uh, Christmas tree finals to give people adequate time to change batteries, 
let their electronics cool down, et cetera, et cetera. But it gives people the opportunity to progress out their final. And, and you know, every, most people listening will know how bump up finals work. And I think that's one of the fantastic things about eight scale off road is that ability that you could literally qualify dead last and you could win the main final. You know, that the fact that that can be done or could be done theoretically is a really good thing. That's a real strong point. Um, obviously, it would need tweaking and adjusting to work with tent scale um, on what is already quite a tight schedule. Um, but, you know, it has been done. It's been done before and it could be done again, um, I'm yeah. sure. So that would be one thing I think that would be good. Um, in terms of the other way round, the tent scale stuff, I, I think that this is what the eight scale uh, electric section could definitely benefit from is just multi-leg finals as well like uh, like the tent scale guys like you have um like that is just good news you know currently in in eighth scale electric in the um you know e-buggy section um it's just one single long 15 minute final which is tough on everybody's electrics on their batteries etc etc but doing like the rest of the world does multi-leg finals is definitely something that it could carry across from not just from tent scale but from the from the rest of the world um just to bring it in line with that but no in in general that it's it's hard to it's hard to consider even how you could sensibly refine the events um you know it's hard it's hard to suggest something really because you can have incremental improvements of course you know you can improve things and um you know and all that but it's hard to know really because i think they both run so well that it's uh it's challenging to improve on something that's quite pro you know tried and tested and proven working yeah uh, it's, it's just i think it's always interesting to hear how like we can improve from different opinions from people yeah. within the hobby like obviously a racer yeah. will always say oh well you can improve it this way you can improve it this way and you think well yeah, yeah that'd probably improve the racing but then someone like yourself looks at it from is that logistically possible from our track could yeah. we do that yeah. can this happen yeah but it's just you know I, I just always think it's interesting to see what ideas yeah can you for take. sure i think it, it's it's great to you know yeah uh, you know, I'd love to just spitball ideas around that that are theoretically fantastic, but if they've got no possible logistic um, manner in which it could be um, deployed, it's pointless. It's, it's not far off pointless in my mind, at least having all those thoughts. It'd be great if we had 10, fi- ten leg finals for everybody. Yes, that would be fantastic, but we'd be racing till four o'clock in the morning, wouldn't we? So how is that, that really possible? Great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be all right. Not, not for the That's people the with thing. kids, mate. Um, no, exactly, exactly. Nor, nor with me. I'll, I'll be at home tracked up at four yeah. o'clock in the morning. Um, so you know, it, it's just about having some logistic, um, some logistic empathy of is that actually possible, um, yeah. or or does it actually improve things for the greater audience or the you know the wider the wider racer community. Um, and I think often often that's like an an inconcluded or an unconcluded inconclusive answer that probably probably is uh, is found of like, well, it works for those people because they want that, but it doesn't work for those people because they want that. So you're sort of stuck in stuck between a rock and a hard place of trying to make the right decisions always. Yeah, no, it is. 
Are you doing any racing yourself? Or have you had a drive around the track? Or have you tried any of the sections? Yeah, no. So, uh, so I, I think, uh, unfortunately, our uh, our product replacement budget probably doesn't cover me, uh, doesn't cover <laughs> me driving too much anymore. Uh, um, would be bankrupt pretty quickly, I think. But no, so so I got into um, how I got into the industry, how I got into RC was when I was about eight or nine years old. Um, and that was born out of a like grassroots uh, school hall indoor touring car track that, that hosted club meetings on a Friday night. Um, and that was actually where I where I grew up. Uh, nowhere near where I am now, but in in Essex in a little uh, school that at the time was called Alec Hunter School, and they every Friday night started at six p.m. They would um, they'd have a uh, you know polished wood polished wood school hall, and then like their dining room, their dining area, or their canteen that was the pit area. Um, we stood on the stage. They put their uh, um, what's it called? They put the guttering guttering pipes out. And we raced indoor touring car, um, or at least some description of a touring car. Mine was some plastic Tamiya thing with a. <laughs> I do remember actually. I remember this quite vividly. One of my first RC cars. It was a Mercedes. Um, it was a uh, Mercedes DTM or a CLK DTM, and it had the stickers on the body shell were like the engine compartment had been torn off. Um, and I remember that sort of just really sticking in mind that specific memory. And then I remember one of the old guys that I um, that, that was there racing with me. Probably wasn't even old, but I remember him being old. He was like, "Oh, that that body shell be no good for racing round here." And it used to make me. I laughed about it because I was like, "Oh right, <laughs> well, I think it looks cool." And it just at the time, that was all I cared about. Really. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I think it looks great." Um, but it's just funny as I experienced 15 years ago. Obviously, still happen now. Of like, "Oh, that'll be no good." It's like, well, it's a nine-year-old doing RC, so we should probably just be happy with that. Um, so, did you end up yeah, working so I, for Nemo? Yeah, so so actually, I so got into RC that, and that sort of created the interest, and then it became quite expensive, and then I got into riding push bikes more, and that was sort of that was the thing that that took me during my teenage years, um, and then when I sort of 16, 15, 16 years i remember 16 15 16 years old i remember buying a hpi savage which is probably a lot of people way people got into rc racing as well rc full stop bashing whatever it may be into rc um and yeah yeah exactly they're they're definitely everyone has a savage Um, (laughs) everybody has had a savage yeah Um, i haven't chris you're missing out before your time mate work on the TVP twin vertical plate chassis that requires about 50 million screws to come out if you ever want to do anything to it, which is fairly disappointing. Um, but yeah, so I got got a Savage, got into it there, and then actually started racing at a local a track local to me at the time, Arc Raceway, which is a, a track in Colchester that's now more sort of like a basher track, yeah, um, rather than a race track. Um, so I got into the, I got into racing there. Uh, and then it was actually a, a race that was a an SRS, I think, at Clamfield, um, down near, um, well, in Clamfield, but near near uh, Waterlooville, um, near I think where, where they host one of the most one of the festivals at. But that's where the Clamfield track is, and that was then where I met 
James Tatlow, who was racing with Nemo Racing at yeah. the time. He doesn't race anymore now. Um, but he was racing with Nemo, and then I got introduced to John, and this was, at, I was about 16 or 17 years old, and that was that. You know, I just sort of went and followed around the racing, got into the nationals, started racing eight scale nationals, um, <laughs> and started doing the international races. And at, at the time, I then had my own sort of online RC shop called Arc Model Sport. Um, and that was just a pure e commerce business that was a mix between something to do to pay for my RC racing or. Um, and also it was an A-level project yeah. uh, for my IT, IT A-level. So it was a hybrid between the two, really. Um, but I actually I developed quite a good relationship with Nemo Racing, the distributor, which obviously was uh, John, and, and at the time it was Dave Duggan, um, and ended up selling quite a few, quite a, quite a lot of their product um, online. So that sort of developed a bit of a, a relationship there. Um, and then I sort of got to the end of my sixth form, my time at sixth form, and it was sort of a bit of a crunch point. I was like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, what, what's what's the next step? You know, I can't can't run an online RC car shop because I think I'll, you know, have spent all my profit on my own tyres or something. Um, so I need to do something a bit, you know, slightly bigger picture than that. So um, that opened some talks with John and, and sort of pretty much from there, the rest was history, really. Um, we had a slight shift, shift uh, in in sort of end of 2019 where i was just doing some different things um different different place in life and that led me to thinking about doing some different things which i did and tried and thought that was fine um and um um but um yeah yeah and then here i am still here i am still but that was my uh, that was my journey into it is he a good boss yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd like to probably not think of him as my boss nowadays. It's yeah. funny talking of John. He's literally just pulling up because it's now quarter past, well, five past nine, and he's actually just at the window. So I'm gonna, you're gonna have a, you're gonna do a guest, guest, guest appearance from <laughs> John Hazelwood himself, who was just the topic of conversation asking whether you're a good boss. No, <laughs> I'm not the boss. <laughs> hey, do you enjoy? You're okay. Show. Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. You're just coming in for the night shift. Yeah, it was a. I had a particular. I had a really good day. I thought from for only my uh, second trip to Nemo, and considering I was doing all the running around and you know everything else, I thought no, it's, it's a really good facility. I was uh, I was really That's pleased that we sort of chosen to put the uh, put the juniors there to showcase what they can do around the track. Yeah, it was awesome, and we we thoroughly enjoyed having you all there and having the opportunity to do the race as well. So it's uh, yeah something we really enjoyed doing. I mean, obviously, we discovered Parcel Force aren't very good at finding you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's sadly not news to me. When I uh, when I got the message from Martin Owen saying I just had a little look, I've used your address off Google for the raceway, and I've sent the uh, sent the um, medals and the cups there. I thought. <laughs> if they arrive for the weekend, it'll be a miracle. Uh, but it was a miracle fixed by uh, by by yourself. But uh, yeah, thank goodness. I, I tell you what was amazing, mate, was to see just so many juniors. Uh, well, obviously, and veterans as well. But the the depth of the juniors coming through is There's some quick quite, kids there. Uh, isn't there? Quite amazing. 
Yeah, it really is. It's uh, bodes very well for the future of the sport, doesn't it? To see all of that healthy uh, camaraderie and competition coming through, and that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So yeah, very very cool race, very cool. Yeah, really good. One we hope to do again. Yeah, I think it's a really nice uh, a nice pitch. I think it was your idea, wasn't it, Rum? We got them all stood in the uh, the raised pit yeah, lane on the pit lane. Yeah, that was actually yeah. uh, that uh, brought that actually from the Euros B because that is always what gets done in the the opening ceremony of the events always like the countries then go and stand on the pit lane and i thought what a good picture of all of the all of the junior guys guys and girls all of the juniors um all stood up there all smiling away or distracted by this or looking like they're going to fall off or this or that sort of just seeing them all enjoying themselves is a great thing to immortalize in a picture i tell you what though buddy if we're going to do it for the over 50s you might have to beef up the rostrum a little bit because <laughs> yeah we'll get the get the welder out and we'll be all right yeah i think there was there was something happened and i jumped over i totally forgot and I've jumped over it. I'm, you know, I'm not exactly the smallest of guys at the minute. <laughs> and I was like, just jumped over the pit lane. Yeah, and I've just thought, shit, I probably should have checked if it was okay to walk on that first. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It lived, it lived, to, lived to hold my weight. So it lived to tell the tale. You've got some burgers yeah. to go get, mate, to get up to my spec. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was awesome. So... I think we've uh, we've primed uh, you, Mark, about the uh, the GT RC Hall of Fame. But maybe since John's shown it, we should put him on the spot as well. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, a, that's um, a good idea because I haven't thought of anything. So, what's yeah. this? So, so this to be explained on the uh, podcast, John. At the end of the show, we ask our guests. Um, I'm sure you probably understand the premise of a Hall of Fame. Somebody, something, or somebody, or something that belongs to be immortalised in our hobby. We ask our guests to suggest one thing and we put it into our, our Hall of Fame. So Mark's having a bit of a think, but we thought we'd just throw you on the spot now. What would is you a, put? Is a person? Or, it, could or, a per- it could be a person, or, a you know, car, a track, a race, right. absolutely anything you could think of in RC that you think was the most amazing thing. It's a, it's a deep dive, isn't it? I'm still thinking furiously. I actually, it's hurting my is, brain currently. Um, is is Muzz in the Hall of Fame? He's not now. Is Muzz in? He's not now. That's a great one. Well, he should be. Yeah. And, uh, the amount of effort. So obviously, all of you guys, the amount of effort. I, do you know what? It was a moment I had over the weekend where I where I uh, sat back and watched what was going on with uh, the, the group of people that you are, and I thought the amount of effort that goes in for everybody, you know, unthanked most of the time, is quite incredible. And obviously in your section, at the forefront of that often, that I see anyway as a, as a casual observer, is Muzz. Uh, you know, he's he's great on the mic. He's, you know, unflappable in, in uh, times of uh, toil. So I think Muzz should go into the Hall of Fame of RC. Perfect, mate. Cool. Perfect. That's a I'll just one. give him a big head now. He'll <laughs> <laughs> knock, it, knock it on the way yeah. in. Yeah, well, the yeah. 20 yeah. worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, won't, you won't get in the race control for the next meeting then. Yeah. He, he should also control. be in the Hall of Fame for the amount of pop that he can consume in two days. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we have to give him a hand occasionally, but, you know, he gets there. <laughs> he definitely gets there. At least it's not Desperados for him anyway, and it's only... Uh, Pepsi yeah, I wonder why all the races were out of order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so Mark, go on, watch your, uh, watch your one. If you need um, a stall, I can tell you that Ash Patterson once put in um, Travis, was it, is it Ryan Lutz doing whips with an Agama? That's like back <laughs> oh, to wow. you. 
Yeah, that's well, that's quite nice. That's nice to hear. So my Hall of Fame, mo well, whether it's whether it's quite a moment, but was um, Billy Billy Talaska, who um, is our our Mr. Nemo Racing USA, and myself doing our calculations for the fuel mileage in at the uh, the DXR Dirt Kings race in 2019 with Ryan Lutz leading round battling furiously with David Ongaro obviously it just was fresh off his uh, first world's win yeah um Billy and I's mathematic ability that managed to get us over the line without running out of fuel I think that needs to Billy Billy's maths needs to go into the Hall of Fame I think there because that race that well that that event I guess could go into the Hall of Fame but specifically Billy's and my uh, mathematical abilities and our prowess that managed to get us with a with a win on that race was absolutely amazing that race in in its entirety was was one that I remember so fondly and was just an absolutely amazing moment it was fresh track both of the guys were on the same brand of tyres, both running AKA, um, and it was just, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing event, um, and all the people that run it, you know. So I think that event should go in my Hall of Fame. Nice one. Out of, out of interest, what, can you remember how long you were doing on the run times? What you, what you decided? Oh. Like, did you play it safe oh, it for seven was... minutes, or did you no, go for oh, it? No, it had been, di- it had been diabolically low, but yeah. that was probably why it was worse. We had to do more fuel stops. <laughs> um, I can't remember the way Lux would drive at times. He'd go from 11 minutes to six minutes or something. It was all over yeah. the shop. That's why it was such a challenge to uh, challenge yeah. to get it right. But I think it was, a, it was I think the DXL final was 45 minutes. So it would have been a seven and a half minute pit stop, which yeah. I think we'd, we'd stretched it out to um so yeah seven and a half seven and a half minute stops nothing no jared tebow uh neo buggy 10 minute or famous 11 minute stops or whatever it was yeah. he won quite a few yeah. races from no problem. we weren't so we weren't so lucky but it didn't matter <laughs> thankfully cool right well, we're just sticking over towards the air now we've got another guest on after you guys so we're going to say thank you for your no time worries. and we'll let you go but before no we... worries. it's been great talking to you like marcus it's been a real really interesting getting your story so thanks very much for coming on um no do you want to say no thank you to anyone before we let you go friends family sponsors long-suffering wife anyone at all yeah yeah i think probably um in 10 words oh dear that's <laughs> now that will be challenging i'll be that, over that quota I think so. My, uh, I think probably my other half, Madalena, for her scrutineering abilities at the weekend. I think she, uh, she definitely has to suffer with that as well as obviously me being away doing these races and uh, trackside quite a lot of the time. So, I think my thanks goes out to her. Um, but then from a more less uh, less soppy uh, thing, probably just all to all of our team really, all of our Nemo Racing guys. Um, that make it all worthwhile, really. You know, I see see their smiles, see them coming off the rostrum, and uh, and having 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 had a very good weekend makes it makes it worthwhile. Epic, great, yeah, thank you. Awesome. Dave, Dave, we'll have to get you on um, after the national. We'll give you a shout. You mean John? Uh, John, I'm oh, sorry, I do apologise. No um, <laughs> I've responded to much worse than Dave. Yeah, and yeah, we'd love to get you on, get your story, talk about eight in the old days. You know, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, no problem, no problem. No I'm not problem. sure it's very uh, feasible for a PG channel is the only thing. We can, we can mark it explicitly, we'll it'll be totally fine, be totally fine. <laughs> Class. All right then, guys, we'll let you go. All right, thanks for coming on. You've been absolutely no fantastic. Worries. Cheers. Cheers, no guys. Worries. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
and they've gone. How about that? And our one take podcast. Yeah, I'm in. You know, and as if by yeah. magic, we've got Nathan take, Rowles yeah. on the call, on on the phone right now. How do you, Nate? Hi guys, how you doing? Not I'm bad. good, thank you. Thank you for remaining silent for all of that previous interview. As that was a very yeah, well thank you. Very very good. Yeah, I was yeah. waiting for ages, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we need to give you your your proper introduction as the reigning, defending, two-time, the two-time champion of the old Duffers? Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that one. Yeah, did the double double. So, did it last year and done it again this year, which was. A shock with everybody turning up because obviously you had Slay, you had Stafford, and a load of others, and yeah, there was some real like Steve Brown, even um, some super close racing with all of them. So yeah, it certainly wasn't an easy one this year. No, you you had to earn you you had to earn your keep this year, didn't you? Yeah, to, I want to say two wheel drive. I want to say it was gifted, but I don't think it really was when I look back. You know, so I made a mistake early on and others made mistakes later on in the run. So, you know, sort of everybody had one one in the run and I was lucky to pick up the pieces at the end of leg one and about four minutes into leg three. So I was well happy with that. Plus I walked away with a couple of TQs as well. Yeah, I mean, from watching the, um, especially the two-wheel drive, like you say, it seemed like you had your mistake early on and then you managed to just settle into a rhythm then. Whereas it looked like other people were was just they didn't get into that rhythm and then with the mistake later on you were able to capitalise on that Definitely. you know, as it went through. Obviously Steve Brown in two wheel drive came out absolutely throwing laps at it, didn't he? Oh, he he came out punching, he really, really did. As did Stafford and Slay, the pair of them were, or the three of them were, absolutely on it um, in two-wheel drive. Um, I, I really enjoyed leg one battling. I think it was leg one, or it was either leg one or leg two with Ellis because we went wheel for wheel through about four or five corners, both pulling moves on each other. Never yeah. touched once, and you could hear the crowd ooh in an hour, which is always a good thing. And yeah, just. It, it was so nice to battle with Ellis once again and, and, you know, sort of absolutely go for it with him, knowing that you can race that close with him. Yeah, until it comes to the straight, the straight and then nobody's ever ran more turbo than Ellis. I don't know. I think I came close this year. I mean, the old um, Nemo straight is a bit long for 10th, shall we just say. Uh, as, as, Mark has, as Mark said earlier, it's 45 metres. Yeah. Well, I had a six and a half in, and I was running 40, on my hobby wing stuff, I was running 44 turbos, with about one away from the most aggressive ramp, so it was, she was motoring down that straight, you you could hear it singing. Yeah, you were lit up. <laughs> yeah, definitely, There's, there was some good old G-Force grin going on down there. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think you pulled a wheelie down the straight in one of the first ones, didn't you? most laps it was trying to bobble onto its back wheels whilst waddling and everything else trying to put it all down. So it was it was on the limit of what it could actually transmit to the floor. Yeah. So, obviously, we know in quality once the two-wheel speed come out swinging, as we said. Um, but, I mean, you were, it was close, wasn't it? It wasn't like he just drove away. Um, but, obviously, I know you made some changes, but 
what did you sort of go through changing in terms of your car to make it more drivable for um, for the next round? Two-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, we didn't actually change much on the car itself. I, I turned up the power um, as the day went on. Um lowered the car about lowered the car a mil from what I'd normally run so I was down to sort of um fifteen front sixteen rear rather than my usual sixteen seventeen. Um and we put a bar on the front of it after first practice. And we, and that was all we really did to the two wheel drive. Very much tried because the timing of two wheel drive, we weren't allowed to do out laps or anything. Um, I didn't really want to make big changes to the car, so it was more just sort of subtle, subtle adjustments to the speedo to try and you know add a little bit of drag brake to try and get a little bit more initial steering. Um, like I say, turning up the turbo more and more and more just to keep up with what everybody else was doing, and then just try and leave it alone so it felt the same every round. Were you one of the guys that? Um, so obviously we had the, the t- bit of a change. Did you go to the? The new, the bigger hole pistons in the rear, the three by one point eight. Or did no. you stay on your ones with a blow by? I stayed on ones with a blow by. Um, I've sort of everywhere I've gone with the car since since we sort of changed over has been. I was given the setup initially by Roger, and I think the only change I've made is I've I've, I've slightly tweaked the oil down in the back and up in the front by two and a half each. Um, left left the the pistons that he gave me. And that's worked through Robin Hood, Torch, um, Nemo, um, Stockfold when we went there the other day for regional. Um, Eden Park it was good at. And even when I did a sort of early morning training session with uh, Molly Smith after Revival 1, um, still left it in there at BMR and it was all good. So, so yeah, it's, it's sort of... One of those where it's working and travelling very well. Um, so it's, it's allowed me just to get used to how the car feels and just get on and drive. That's always, it's always good when you can just sort of pick up the car and you've yeah. got something steady that you can then focus on the adjustments you need to make. Yeah, um, I mean, so far, literally the changes have been when it's gone high bite like stop fold or Nemo, I've shoved a front roll bar on it and a mill into the front link. And everywhere else I've gone, I've taken that back out of it and just sort of left it alone. It's been more a sort of tyre change to get the balance that I want than anything else. That's nice. And um, so obviously you said you got leg one and two. Um, Four-wheel drive, it wasn't uh, wasn't quite as easy, was it? You didn't make qualifying No, I really didn't. Four-wheel drive was where Steve Brown really came out swinging. Um I was we we were with slightly reduced numbers. We had two practices, and also you're allowed an outlap. So practice one, I put the car down, and it was just on it. And I was well happy. Um, practice two, it rained, and I ended up sort of mucking about with Steve Brown in practice, sort of the usual fun and games of trying to psych each other out. Um, and then we turned up for round one where it was, it rained about two heats before ours for a quick shower, which made the track super slippery. Um, but you could see it was drying. And as we lined up um, on the rostrum, 
or, you know, sort of like to the rostrum, it suddenly started drizzling again. And so there was this mad rush just to chuck on some silvers and get on with it. And literally by the time we finished chucking on the silvers, there was about 30 seconds to go and it promptly stopped drizzling again and it was only a light sprinkle. So I think at about three minutes in, the track went dry. Those that were on, that had stayed brave on yellows, it came good for them. And those of us that were on silvers suddenly had a hot potato for the last two minutes of the run. And so <laughs> Steve picked up round one. Um, round two, we were back on yellows and the car was good. Um, but I started to suffer with, I want to say lines that I was hitting. Um, I was catching, I don't know whether it's because I was pushing that a little bit harder. But suddenly started catching bumps here and there. And so Steve went on and won round two. So put a good hand on TQ. Um, for round three, um, I spoke to yourself and Neil Saunders and changed the rear piston from a blow-by version to a thinner three-hole um, yeah. and dropped the rear spring rate one as well. And that suddenly made the car start to carve a turn nicely so it was easier through the corners. It wasn't being affected by the small ripples, just the big bumps. Um, so we took round three, wouldn't improve with a new TQ. And in round four, I actually thought Slade was going to get us towards the end. It was really, really close, but I managed he to... He was on it. Yeah, he was proper hitting it. Um, he was he in full Slade mode. Yeah, he had, he had a mistake late on, which I kind of felt gutted for him, but allowed me to capitalise and take the round, which with my faster round three time, um, managed to sneak some TQ away from Steve Brown, which, which you know, sort of... I kind of felt gutted for Steve because he'd pushed so well early on and he'd not had a great set of runs in three and four, but that, that's racing sometimes. Um, into the finals, leg one, I made an absolute hash of. Um, Steve just disappeared off into the distance. I ended up, I think it was third. Um, leg two was the opposite and I managed to come through and win that one with a pretty clean run. And round th leg three, um, I had Phil Slay closing me down. They find, you know, sort of the Schumacher guys got their setup really nailed. And Slay came through like an absolute steam train um, once he got past the traffic and set off and after me. They'd all sort of had a few comings together in the first few laps. And he closed down about six seconds on me. And just as he got close with about a minute to go, he binned it. And then it ended up being about a last two-corner dash of the line with him because he was just, he was pushing so hard. And I was trying to manage the pace and then had an unlucky bobble on the last lap. But somehow managed to hold on to it and and sneak the win. Um, so, well, I, I, can't remember it, double again. I can't remember who it was said to me, uh, you know, in, that, in the way where everybody was on silvers. And then they said about the final as well, they were like, Phil was clearly the fastest. Why didn't he just back it off a little bit and not make them say, you clearly don't know, Phil. <laughs> I think it's the same. I mean, when you start getting people like Ellis, myself, Phil, we've all been just punched drivers through the years, should we just say. You don't stop that. You know, you don't, just because you become an old duffer, in, in the words of yourself, doesn't mean to say you, you don't keep pushing to what you can do. I mean, this this yeah. year's national sort of 
um, difference in that. You know, sort of we've we've all been absolutely flat chat, um, knocking in a really good year. So you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, well, let's move on to that. How's your year of nationals been? My year was awesome. Um, not quite my best ever. Um, I what did I end up? Fifteenth um, in two wheel drive, which I think my best ever is a twelfth. But normally I'm between fourteenth and eighteenth, and um, not quite such a good year in four wheel drive. Never quite got settled in the early half of it. Um, but came back with some solid B finals towards the end, um, and ended up twentieth. So I was I was I was happy with the year. And yeah, so, I mean, you, you know, you look like you haven't really sort of dropped any pace over the last couple of years. And of course, from your point of view as well, um, pretty successful year for the guys that you've kind of had under your wing for a while. Um, oh, God, gotcha. yeah. A couple of A finals. Yeah, and TQ, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be polite and say a weather assist TQ. Um but fair play well, to him. Well, according to Jerry then... Cockhill, weather assist, rain assist now count. He, he confirmed yeah. this last week, so but it's just the TQ. Went, yeah, but whether weather assist or not, from TQ, he then went on and won leg one at uh, Robin Hood. With, yeah, with, what was it, Ben Pugh, um, Tommy, then Neil, I think Smithy as well, all having a go at him over the five minutes. Yeah. We, and, we talked about this on the... Uh, I think it might have been one of the episodes, and it was like, as a racer, you're driving round, and right, first person to have a crack at you is Ben Pugh. No slouch, pretty quick. Mm. And then, right, okay, I've held him off. He's made a mistake. Oh, here's Ben Smith. Oh, great, another one. Hold him off for 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah, done, cool. And then next you've got this orange and black missile come steaming up on the back of the air. You're thinking, right, now I've got a European champion to deal with. Right. So you defend from him for a minute and a half until he throws it up the hedge. And then you just see this red and white B6.4 of Neil Crag creeping up onto the back of you. Yeah. And you've got to think, what have I got to do to catch a break in this leg? Tell <laughs> like, me about it. It, it, it. All of us on the sidelines, I, th- I think I actually got a little bit emotional seeing Matthew win a, a leg of an A final. Um, you know, sort of it's it's no mean feat for any driver to do it and there's very few people that have done it um so to add that to your resume is is an awesome thing to do especially when he's still so young you know what's he 18 now um you know that that's there's not there's only a handful or sort of less than a dozen people that have won a finals at that age so well i mean matthew Won his first A final in the same season. Jamie Hall won his first A final. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but Jamie had won a Europeans. Oh no, sorry, that was Tommy won the Europeans yeah. before. I was about to say, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie so, also made a European A final the year before. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's always good to see some other people doing it as well. And of yeah. course, you've got um, a couple of your other juniors, uh, Aaron Nash making bees. Aaron made solid Bs this year, which was great to see. Um, we started helping him, I think, end of last year. And then he turned up at Nationals this year and got the full rules racing love. Um, and started 
literally knocking in middle to back end of B finals at the start of the year quite early on. Um, even when I was having bad days, it was still hitting B finals, which was brilliant to see. And I think he rounded it out with, he was battling with Matthew uh, Torch for probably his best B final place, which I think was either a third or a fourth in the B final. So I don't think it's going to be long and he's going to be, he's already knocking on the door of A finals. Um, I don't think it's going to be long before he puts one in it, shall we just say. No. So, And then we had Hattie as well, starting to make Ds, which was great. Um, Evie towards the end of the year. Um, suddenly seems to have got the B in her bonnet and taken a huge leap forwards and suddenly making ease, you know, sort of ease F's area. And even at the juniors vets um, in the under 16s with I how many there were there that were, you know, that, that were very competitive. Um, she was running around solid top five in four wheel drive and two wheel drive all day long. So, you know, it was Sort of, I saw some ambitious driving, which knocked her down to back a pack in two-wheel drive finals. But four-wheel drive, she was there, thereabouts, and, and going for it. So it um, wasn't a, f- a hell of a long way off of the back of sort of Harry Mears and, and the main battle that was going on. Nah. So, no, it was good. Yeah, and also so, in there, you've got one of our new juniors as well. She made her first junior A final was uh, Molly Smith. And so... She was, I was very proud of her that day. She's only been under the wing for about 14 months and only been racing properly for 18. And so, and literally before that, she'd done two events. So to come up that far, that quickly, and not finish last in any A final, um, really held her head up high. So it was brilliant to see. That's awesome. So plans for next year then going forward, where do we... Where are we planning to sit? First of all, where are you planning to be over the winter? Or are you having a, a little bit of a break? Or I will. So I've still got a couple of events to do. I've got a regional, not this weekend, but next. And I'm in a three-way tie currently for the championship with Will Venables and Matthew Peters in two-wheel. In four-wheel drive, Matthew's already won the championship. But Steve, um, Steve Brown and myself are locked tighter than a tight thing um, for the four-wheel drive for second place or second or third in the podium on the championship. So that's my next one. Then I've also got the or Revival 2 uh, to Oswestry on the grass. So I've got that to do as well where I'll be commentary plus racing and helping look after all of the scrutineering um, or the scrutineering team, I should say. There's a whole gaggle of people behind me that look after that. Um, then I think it's going to be a week's holiday, probably about a week, 10 days after that. And then probably a couple of three weeks off just to give myself a break. Cause this year has been insane. I don't think I've ever raced so much. I think even towards the end of the year where you start to get the odd weekend off, I was then out testing new cars and getting my feet, you know, sort of finding my feet with those and everything else. So it's been a, it's been an insanely busy year. I haven't had a weekend off since um, probably the middle of March. To be fair, Isn't though, that? I kind of like it when it's like that. Well, I, know. I do, but not when it's, you know, sort of, you need one weekend a month off. And when I look at this last sort of six, eight weeks, it's been um, 
national into revival into end of season finals with regionals in between that's a very expensive time of year shall we just say when you've got three national level events that you're doing almost in the same month yeah so you know yeah, you start to suddenly suddenly question you just say it's a difficult year um and i think it's mainly due to um the fact obviously you've got the euros every year but you've also got the um the worlds as well yeah so normally yeah. we'd have had a we'd still be looking at doing our last national sort of end of the september time i mean i cannot actually believe that manny panasar is sacking off revival two to go and do such a small meeting like the world championships i mean oh, oh no just no no uh, <laughs> no commit- priorities right hasn't he yeah you know yeah. i mean vintage is obviously king you know <laughs> you know why would you give up going and racing around a bit of uh, worn-out grass in Oswestry? Street? Yeah. Uh, that's epic old cars versus, you know, flying all the way to Arizona to some pokey little track. Yeah, you know. Just, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've had a word with him, but he, he seems adamant, you know. Some, somebody's told him he's got to go there, so... You know, well, we have got his schedule to come on after the world, so maybe we'll have to have a, a, a chat about his uh, life choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell him Nathan said, you know, sort of, oi, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. so, so was it was it a shock then you, that, you, that you got both the two and the four-wheel drive championships? Were you driving there thinking, that's my aim for, the, for last weekend? Um, it's, it's always the aim. My, my aim at the juniors and vets is actually very different. Um, I've supported the juniors and vets since about 2008, 2009, when I started going with Greg Williams. Um, And then it was Kyle. There's been times when I've just gone and looked after the entire Southeast team and all sorts. Um, As soon as I was um, old enough to actually go and do the veterans, it was then a case of my job was to actually find a setup and find the correct lines for the juniors to be hitting to get them a better result. Um, And that's still the case now. Yes, I want to race. Yes, I want to win. Who doesn't? We're all racers. But it's always been first and foremost to get the juniors the results and do the feedback for them. Um, I think the rear spring that I ended up on with the four-wheel drive ended up on Charlie's car and things like to try and help them a bit, you know, and, yeah. and settle the car down that touch more and give him more of a chance. Um, and, and this is it's part of what I want to do to give back to the hobby that I've loved and has helped me and, you know, sort of given me my life for the past 20-odd years or 30, 30-something years now, I should say, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great segue into obviously what you've discussed with us about your plans next year, which is, yeah, um, as it currently stands, you're not going to be at Nationals? Um, I'll be trying to book into one, just so that I can always request a Euros or a Worlds place or whatever, should the opportunity arise. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm finally taking a big step back, and I'm going to be going off in a slightly different direction. Um, Pre-COVID, to help out local clubs, I started doing training days in the southeast, um, predominantly aimed at juniors within those clubs, but also at beginners, up to solid F2s even came along. And all of them, with what we did on the segments through the day of 
a sort of open practice into some how-tos, into a track walk, what we're looking at doing, the lines that we're trying to take, where we can use compressions, the silent speed of a lap, you know, yeah. the bits the pros don't talk about. Um, start to pass that information on and get people actually a lot more comfortable with how their cars are working. Um, as I say, how-tos, how to build shocks, how to build diffs, the easy way. Um, and the consistent way, so it always feels the same every time. Um, like I say, on lines, um, and then sort of one-on-one -on -one training with people, um, or two-on-one training, I should say. Um, and it's something that I've decided now to actually start to take out on the road a bit. So during national weekends, once we have the dates for those, I'm going to be speaking to or sort of interested parties can contact me but effectively going around clubs and doing training days for up to sort of 10 to 15 people again predominantly aimed at juniors but also all the way up to any level of racer i can help with how we do things tweaking setups driving standards driving styles how to you know even the basics like how to marshal what people want. And I know Martin Owen will be laughing at that after my fumbles uh, um, torch. But, you know, there are... We were taught things as kids when we came up and through, which is as simple as, like, you marshal as you want to be marshaled. Um, and if, if you aren't prepared to break your neck trying to get to someone's car, you sure as hell can't moan at anybody else for not doing it. Yeah. Um, and so it's all of that kind of thing I want to start to teach and train and help people with whether it's just local club racers like i say even i mean last time i did it we had a complete beginner um young girl called honey i think she was seven seven or eight at the time and it sounds mad we improved her lap times from 49 seconds down to 30 by the finals yeah just from simple you know simple help now don't get me wrong you and i would have been rattling around the track at sort of 19 to 22 second laps but to see it improve that sort of 18-odd seconds through the day and a big smile on her face at the end of it and how much more confident she was going into then what became her first race meeting a few weeks later, yeah. um, it, it makes, you know, sort of, it makes it all worthwhile. So this this is my plan for next year. Are you going to travel? As I say, are you going to travel to different places for every? I think you said you were going to probably do every every weekend. The national was on, so you can do like yeah. So, so you go to different tracks. Yeah, um, I'm hoping to do, like I say, I want to do one national. So I'm hoping to do five venues around yeah. the UK. Um, I also know a couple of Scottish clubs are also interested in this as well. Um, and so that might line up with a holiday next year to do the North Coast 500. Um, and yeah, we will be travelling around the country to wherever these clubs are. If I can time it that the club that I'm working at is near the national venue, then it means on the Saturday night I can pop in and see some friends at the track um, before we then, before the wife and I then carry on to what we're going to do on the Sundays. Yeah. So, but yeah, they will be countrywide. Have motor home wheel travel. <laughs> cool. Are uh, you going to organise the booking and things like that for, for for those sort of things, or are you just going to announce it? Um, we'll be doing, like I say, um, interested clubs to contact me. 
Um, we will then be talking to the clubs. There will, obviously, there's a charge, but a perception, a percentage of this will be going to the club to help yep. them. Um, the rest of it, obviously, to cover my own costs as I go through the day. Um, and then, yeah, booked in through via the club, um, ready and raring to go on that oh, Saturday morning. Yeah, that's definitely the easiest way to do it, isn't it? So yeah, the club does the the, the the hard work for you and gets the book the bookings. Yeah, it's a good yep. idea. Yeah, well, not the hard yes. work, but I mean, it makes sense for that club to try and get their people to go to that club. Yeah, from that area. Yeah, they they know who to chase in that area, who will benefit from it, who will be interested in it. Yeah, you know, sort of. Um, we're talking if the, if a club's two and a half hundred mile away, I'm not going to know who the local races are. Yeah, I'm just turning up to help and do my piece of it. You yeah. know, ah, class mate, that sounds really cool. Thank you for putting something back in. Well, I always, I, when I was a junior coming up and through, I struggled to get the support other than from family and and some certain sponsors like MG Motors and things like back in the day. And I think Glyn Pegler. Um, and so I always said that I wanted to give something back into this hobby. And if I can use my name to generate that and actually start to put money back into clubs and bring races forwards, give them the confidence to go from, say, being a, a club racer to a regional racer or a regional racer to a national or juniors, the confidence to go from doing regional events to suddenly doing the end of season finals, then, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm all for that if I possibly can. Yeah. yeah I mean, so many people do forget to, you know, I know a lot of people in this hobby is funded on an amazing amount of work from an amazing amount of volunteers. Mm. But some people just do forget to put back, don't they? And if, if people can, you know, they really should. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I see the work that you do with the new crop of juniors through the associated team, you know, sort of. I watched you work hand in hand with young Harry this weekend and was rewarded with him winning leg three of two wheel drive, four wheel drive after um, Daniel had an absolute mare of, well, I think if he had had bad luck, it would have been better than what he'd gotten in the three finals. Should we just say Um, his loss was Harry's gain on this time. And it was great to see Daniel hold his head up high and actually congratulate both Ollie on the win and, um, Harry taking his second place. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Harry, Harry's uh, Harry's antics on the last corners were nothing to do with me. That was all Harry. Uh-huh. <laughs> what stopping just before the line? Mm-hmm. Well, for the last <laughs> the last three corners, he he backed it off and drove so slowly, and yeah. then crept up to the line, and we thought, "We're well, looking me and Neil looking at it, and Neil's over the other side of the track." I mean, has he jumped? No way he could have dumped in this day and age. Not a chance. He's got did his dad put a fresh battery in? Christ, I'm gonna have to save Neil's life here if Harry hasn't got a charged battery. And then all of a sudden the computer goes, beep, car foot three finished or car four finished. And then he just seemed like the throttle up, wheels spinning everywhere, and he just drives off up the straight. (laughs) (laughs) With and I have to say, having watched him do it from the end of the straight where I was marshalling. The Cheshire cat style grin that he was wearing as he did it. <laughs> it was like yeah. fair play, young man. But joking yeah. aside, the work that you've put in, you understand the buzz that you get as a mentor and helper, seeing one of the juniors suddenly get it right 
and do a result like that. And there, there's very few better feelings, shall we just say. No, um, I mean, and then you've got the that opposite end of the scale. Like, in that one final, you're so happy that Harry's won it and he's had a, an amazing race. And then you're just like, how do I know? I mean, I know Daniel listens to these religiously, so mm. let me just say, first of all, Dan, you were amazing. You've yep. got nothing, nothing to feel down about. You gave it absolutely everything on the day, and you know, the do- you know, it just didn't flip the coin and land heads for you. It but, didn't even fl- it did landed sideways. I think half the yeah. time. I will say as well, the way that young man held his head high, knowing you know the work that he put in and what he'd done to try and get that result. Um, <laughs> He did better than most adults would have when it all went absolutely belly up for him. And um, yeah, yeah he, he earned a lot of respect from me that day in how he conducted himself when it was all going Pete Tong. Um, I even offered to marsh, carry on marshalling for him for one of them because he was obviously upset. Um, and he was like, nope, I'm all good. Crack on. And it was like, righto. And that was all he needed to say. But yeah, fair play to him on that day. He's definitely, just, he's definitely just got not his day. Yeah, not his day. Uh, and that's it. It's like you say, you it's daft really because you look at, you know, I think I've said it on this before, and I've said it to you. You look at, you look at Harry and Charlie, almost like little brother kind of thing. Mm. And uh, how do you then put your arm around Daniel and just say, mate? You just got to. You just got to. This is, this uh, is it. Like, it I, I just said to him. I just said to him, you've just got to. All you've got to do is for the rest of the year, remember this, work harder. And next year, you've got what you've got another crack at it next year. Come back and absolutely romp away with it. Put This is where you now put the work in. Yeah. And next year, you just absolutely romp Every away time. with it. Every time. So, and this is exactly what we say to our juniors as well. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a done for next year. I know he's going to come back stronger. And faster, hell, he's, he's absolutely whooped me in the national championship this year. I think he finished 11th, was it? Or 11th or 12th? Yeah, made two national A's. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to have to make do with my BQs at the moment. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people that are going to have to make do with B finals that are used to being in A finals next year, mate. Because uh, With the amount of juniors that are coming up and through, it's it's great for the hobby. It really, really is. So, yeah. but like I say, I'm I'm stepping off into that direction for now, um, and yeah, it's going to be an interesting change. So, I'm like I'm sort of um, pensively, but looking forward to it. Shall we just say? Because I know it's a chance for me to give back. So, as so, long yeah. as that national that you want to do isn't the first national of the season, because if it is, it's hard no, to step no. I'm right. I'm I'm still trying to work out. It will be either what is my localist national or or where I'm going to feel I'm going to be most competitive. So it'll be somewhere like Mendip or which is the furthest away. But I really enjoyed the track. Um, or Bowton, where the associated cars look so good. Um, or even I don't know whether they're going to be putting in for one again. But if if my local track like Eden Park suddenly puts in for one or Something like then, then I'll be picking that one. Yeah, I mean Telford are putting in, so yeah, be always always a good one to go to a new track for a national, isn't it? That? Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to Telford since they've re-astroed. I'm told it's really good though. 
Yeah, I like it. But then, yeah, no, it's good. And obviously, if you need any help organising the uh, the training days or anything like that, I'm sure, I'm sure the BRCA will put their uh, full support and full weight behind it. Yeah, well, this this is part of the reason that I've. Um... With everything going on, rather than walking into another deal, I wanted to be seen to be um, unbiased. So I sponsored myself through the shop. Um, it's partly with this in mind because this was my plan for next year, pretty much from sort of early on in the year. I've, I've been thinking about it for the past couple of years and finally decided it was time. Um, so I want to be seen to be unbiased. So... If there, you know, let, let's just say I'm at a track and there's a young lad driving a TLR there, I'm going to be speaking to Freddie about him. If there's a young lad driving Associated, I'm going to be speaking to Russell about him. Same with Schumacher, same with everything. You know, it, it's a uh, you you cannot be biased or attached solidly to a team doing that as such. Um, and so it, it's just sort of different ways around it that I want to go and different ideas that I'm having. Um, I'm not saying they're all going to be perfect, but I know when I've spoken to some of the importers, they are more than willing to sort of back us a little bit if needed. And I know the BRCA will put their weight behind me because it's supporting juniors and bringing, helping to bring more people into the sport or at least um, encourage them to push further on into the hobby rather than just club racing or regional level. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it because we jokingly call you an old. We know we jokingly call the V50s and the uh, the V40s the old duffers or yeah or whatever it is that. But we've got to we've got to look at it honestly. The guys doing that aren't going to be around forever. It's going to be no. me. It's going to be me into the V40s in a couple of years. I mean, Christ, yep. mad fact: Neil Craig is eligible from next year. <laughs> bring, yeah, him on, so, bring him on <laughs> yeah right yeah, <laughs> so at some point my point is at some point we've got to have some people that are going to step up and be seniors yeah and when oh. and when your likes of Charlie and Charlie and Lewis and Harry and and all of these when they become seniors where are the next juniors they've yeah. got to be you know, either it's new to the hobby or constant flow of them. Should we just say? Because we've had so many years of it being the Lee and Neil show with Yardy and people like Doherty and all of that lot pushing them, but they're all slowly dropping by the wayside. And you know, sort of, how many more years is it going to be? You know, as, as an amazing as a talent as Neil Craig is or Lee Martin is. Are we going to have a 50-year-old national champion? You know, we need these juniors coming through to sustain our hobby. Um, Because otherwise, you know, sort of not being... These juniors coming through, there is no Schumacher, there is no CML, there is no Associated or TLR or anything, because all you're going to have is a load of old duffers in a field. And that's not sustainable as a hobby. So we need to be looking at these kids coming in and through and, and giving them as much support as physically possible. Yeah, no, it's true. Totally agree, mate. And um, like you say, and if we can give you any help through the podcast, you know, 
don't know if Definitely. we've got much pull, but we can uh, we can certainly advertise them for you and you know get a well, few just, out there. Just this now waffling, it, it it brings awareness to it. It, it pushes it on. It's a, it's a bit like me wearing a charity shirt rather than uh, team colours on Sunday. It, it's yeah. to bring that awareness on to a, another cancer charity that's very close to my heart and things like you. you we have to do these things, you know. This is where we all play our part. Yeah, nah, that's awesome, mate. And uh, I mean, obviously, thank you for your time tonight. Um, no, thank you for having we'll, us. Uh, it's obviously we've got you on. We wanted to talk about a few things um, that are obviously near and dear to everybody. So, mm-hmm. congratulations on being the fastest old person in the country. <laughs> yeah. It's made me laugh because all of my juniors, so last year they called me the old man of the southeast, right? Or yeah, it was the old man of the southeast, the fast old man of the southeast. This year, because we've changed region, I'm now the fast old man of the south. And now having you know, having won it in two wheel drive in the national championship and then done the double double at the weekend, I'm now just the fast old man. It's like thanks, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think I think trying it, to tell me something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually Phil's play I joked with. Um, obviously, it's no secret Phil is much faster than me, and I don't even pretend that this was a serious kind of Just remember, mm. Phil, you're not fast. You're just old. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason you. That's the only reason you've got a chance in this class. Um, oh yes. What was it? I said yeah. somebody said some, somebody said, "Oh yeah, you know." Sort of, well, you, yeah, sort of the, I'm, I'm faster than you at the moment. I said, yeah, I said, but you've still got to get this old and be this fast. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's awesome, mate. Um, I think we'll have to call it, uh, we'll have to call it knock it on the head because uh, we have got, you know, still to do a little bit more, but it's been great having you on. It's been great uh, having you around the pits this season. That's um, no, been fantastic. Do you want to thank anyone before we let you go, Nath? Friends, family, sponsors, um, long-suffering wife. That's, that's yeah, exactly what that's I was just going to ask. Going to start with the long-suffering wife, Laura, as you lot heard her talking before the start of this. Um, yeah, she, she's definitely put up with more than her fair share of racing. She comes and supports me at some of the events, especially the vintage stuff because of the fire pits and log burners and barbecues and everything else and the blue sparkly the, cones yeah my blue sparkly cones that i bring for the fire pit um obviously sponsors wise rules racing speedworks um obviously cml is supporting me through rules racing so thank you guys um Oh, God, I haven't even got... Do you know what? The worst part is I haven't even got a body shell here to look at, or I'm trying to see if I've got one for all of my sponsors. There we go. Thank you. Expert servos, SMD receivers, um, Faversham Off-Road Car Club, TKR Graphics. Um, Like I say, Speedworks, Lubes. Um, Yeah, so that's that CML, um, obviously associated or I'm running associated cars through rules racing at the moment. Um, so thank you guys. Also a big thank you to you, Chris, for just your general help in getting me to settle so quickly with everything that's gone on this year into new rides, which was rather unexpected at the time. Yeah. Nobody wants, you didn't make it easy, mate, considering it was, yeah. 
a couple well, of nationals in. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I could have done without that, but hey, it is what it is. Nice uh, well, we got we got you there in the end, and uh, <laughs> like I say. You, you took me full Ricky Bobby mode. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nath, we'll have, we'll have to let you go, mate. I'm really sorry. We'll, we'll, we're just sticking over 45 minutes on the second section here. <laughs> we're just flying no through. worries, buddy. All right. No worries. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Okay? No problem. We'll catch up with you over no. winter. All Cheers, right. Mate. Cheers. Have a good Bye-bye. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. And Nathan's gone. How about that in our one-take podcast? Yeah, you know, they're just seamless, mate. Absolutely seamless. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like we've been doing this for two or three years now. I know, yeah. Yeah. You know. Magic. Magic. So, so, okay, basically, how was your weekend? We've talked about everything. Well, we've talked about everything, really. Well, not really from a non racing perspective. I know you said you were going, but uh, Um, did you have any actual tasks on the day? Were you running ragged? There was the recovery of the trophies. That was interesting. Did you pull some raw mile postage strings? No, because it's past the force. And to be honest, I've been left raw mile that long now that yeah. I don't really still know anybody. And it's in Coventry. So, no, so I'm there on the Friday. All of a sudden, I get a phone call from Martin. Um, we've got a problem. The trophies aren't turning up. I'm like, you what? How can we have a national event with no trophies? And he's like, well, Parcel Force have tried to deliver them. They couldn't find the place. Yeah. Well, well, when you put it into the sat-nav, the little red dot on Google Maps is literally at the gate. Like, if you went and stood on the on the gate, it would you'd be under the red dot. So he sends me the tracking number, and he's like, can you try and sort out, see what you can do? Otherwise, you know, we're really in the doo-doo here. Yeah. So I'm on the phone. They're, they're like, "Oh no, you need to use the uh, the book collection online." I'm like, "But there's no there's no option to book a collection online. It, yeah, you have to do it using the thingy on your card. We haven't got a card. Your plank of a driver didn't bother anyway. So yeah. I'm, I'm having about an hour and a half argument with this woman on the phone. And then I said, "Like, look, can you just get somebody to call me back from the Coventry depot? Easy enough to." So if you get, I'll do that. So I get a phone call, really nice lady, very helpful. She goes, yeah, I spoke to your driver. He's not coming. He won't be able to re-deliver them today um, because he's got a collection. But what we'll do is if you want, what do you want to do? We can try tomorrow, but there's no guarantee. If you need them, I said, look, don't try and deliver them tomorrow. Just keep them at the depot. We will we'll find a way to come and get them. Um, so then I'm like, right, now I've just got to figure out a way how to get them. So I'm talking to, obviously, Nathan and um, Rick Greenwood was there as well. And Rick goes, well, mine's a company car, take my car. I'm like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just just take the just take the, the landy. Just we'll do whatever you need to do. Just So Rick lent me the car the next day. Me and Seacup had a lovely drive across, across Coventry to pick them up, chucked them in the back of the car, stopped on the way back, had a nice little Mackies and uh, got the trophies there. So me and Seacup were the heroes of the weekend. <laughs> well, I was the hero. He was more like the sidekick. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the big thing. And then it was just, you know, making sure everybody was happy. We had a, we had a bit of an issue with the computer where there was a couple of the vets that it was counting as 40s when they're actually in the 50s. 
So we had to get that changed around, but it didn't crop up until the final. So that added a little bit of a delay on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, no, and I mean, just as a thank you to all the racers there, obviously on the Saturday with the amount of time we have and the noise restrictions at, um, at Nemo, we really had to push through. Um, we even had to drop three leg finals for the V50s. They only got one leg. But as as we said, it's a junior event, and really, we the the vets is just like a supporting class, really. Yeah. Um. But everybody was so good, straight out to Marshall. You know, no no delays, really. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it was no, it was really really good. Um. Obviously, Nemo as a venue. One of the most, I mean, all of our venues are really helpful and, you know, they can never do enough for you to make sure it's a great event. But, you know, John and Mark, who was spoke to me tonight, he was, they were constantly coming out, is everything okay? Do you need anything doing? What, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? You know, everything you want from a venue, really. Um, so I'm sure we will see Nemo around on the national circuit more and more. Yeah, class mate. That's really good. I went down to Ledbury with Bruce on Sunday, just him racing. Did he uh, dominate? Uh, no, he, he did all right for, for, for himself, mate, to be fair. Um, it rained. In, it was raining in the morning when we got there, and the first round was wet. Um, and that was... Uh, so, and then the rest, basically the rest of it was dry, dry set of tyres on all day, and away we went. Um, he qualified... Seventh in the C final, and there was like 40 there, 39-40 sort of thing. Um, and yeah, and he was dead last at the first corner. Um, so he was like 11th or something like that. Because I, I didn't obviously, want, I never see the first corner, so I'm normally running back with a bottle of fuel over the straight. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, first round. So he went over, put, he made a couple of places up on the way out. Um, so he went over the line on, ninth on the next lap. Um, and then the next lap after that, he was he was in sixth, and then the next lap he was in fourth, and obviously it was three to bump up, and he literally just hovered there for the whole race, <laughs> um, couldn't bridge the gap up to the ne- up to the next three who who who'd got a bit of a lead, um, so yeah, so he ended up finishing, I think he, he was fourth in the end, so he didn't get the bump up. No so that, crazy whips. Yeah, over the flipping time, mate. All the time, um, but yeah. So no, we had, we had a good day. It was, it was a good day out, just a, a, a great day out racing. No, no fireworks or anything like that. So that's awesome. Yeah, good. And um, yes, yeah, and that's it. So we are. I don't know where we are next. Actually, you know, Chris, I think it, we might be going to Need um, on the on the first weekend of September. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. So other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've got week off this weekend. Well, I say week off. It's a week off from racing, although I probably could find something on the Sunday. But I've got actual real-life work on the Saturday for my one week in eight. Um, And then the weekend after is the bank holiday weekend. Oh, no, sorry. The weekend after – yeah, the week after that is the bank holiday weekend, end of August, at the Scotty meeting. Yeah. um, Which I'm, I'm looking forward to. And then the week after that, we are all the way up in Durham for the F2s, 3s and 4s. Oh, you're racing for that one? Yeah, I'm racing. Oh, oh, I'll qualify for that one. I'm not driving all the way to – look, I'll do my bit for the BRCA, but I'm not <laughs> driving all the way to Durham <laughs> to be like 
yeah. running around after other people. I'm going to be yeah. racing at that one. Um, although Martin Owen is not at that one, so it is going to leave. Believe it or not, Martin does do a substantial amount of work <laughs> at whilst he's at the track, yeah. and that's going to be left on the rest of us. So cheers for going on holiday, Martin. <laughs> Class. Awesome, mate. All right, well, we need, really need to wrap this on up mate this is like the longest episode we've done in probably 18 months so oh no but it's funny listening to Potter rant that he's got like not been able to listen to it just in his drive <laughs> love you JP I think you sound mate absolutely sound I, I hope you've got this far into the episode absolute legend <laughs> right let's knock it on the head so let me say thank you to the sponsors so a massive thank you to CMI Distribution Schumacher Racing and Raw Speed there you go, Chris. You got anything else you want to say? Um, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> Let me set the listeners in, guys. Thanks very much for getting involved with our car crash podcast. We appreciate all your messages to the page, and don't forget to like and share for your chance to be in the private Christmas. That's it. Have a great week and uh, good luck with your racing, Chris. See you later, mate. See you later, mate. Have a good one.